So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can turn with me, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. And, and even, though, even though the title of this message is A Man After God's Own Heart, this technically is not a Father's Day message. Uh, if you know anything about me, I, I don't do Mother's Day messages. And Well, I did a Mother's Day message once. Um, I, I, and since then, I've never done another Mother's Day message. I, I typically do not do Mother's Day messages and Father's Day messages. And, and, and let me just tell you why. In case you came out of a background to where that's, you know, you go on Father's Day, you're, you know, you're going to hear about dads, and you go on Mother's Day, and you're going to hear about moms. Fact is, the only message I've ever preached on Mother's Day was how to be a super mom. Uh, ten reasons, ten, ten ways in which you can be a super mom. And judging from the emails that I got, uh, moms did not need any more stress. And so, uh, <laughs> and, and so, you know what, I, I'm very aware, whether it's Mother's Day or Father's Day, that you know what, there are a lot of emotions in this room. There are a lot of mixed emotions uh, from all different backgrounds, whether, whether it's your relationship to your dad or maybe not your relationship to your dad or, or maybe this is your first Father's Day with, without a dad and you have nobody to wish Happy Father's Day to. And so I get that. I understand that, that, that there's those emotions. See, I still remember what it was like my first Father's Day that after my dad had, had, uh, had, had passed away. So, so I... Excuse me. So I understand those emotions. And so here, here's what we're going to do. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at David's life. Uh, tonight, we're going, to look at two, we're going to look at two snapshots of David's life. Tonight, a man after God's own heart, which that has application for every one of us, whether you're a dad, whether you're not a dad, whether you're a mom, whatever. And, and then next week, we're going to look at how to confront a giant. How to confront a giant. If you're facing a giant in, in your life, whatever that is, then, then how, do you, how do you handle those giants in your life, those obstacles in your life? And then July 1st and 2nd, uh, we'll kick off a brand new series here that I'm really excited about called This Is Us. And I'm, I'm going to walk through, listen, I'm going to walk through our vision statement and talk to you about where we are as a church and where we're headed as a church. And so I've been preparing for this series for quite some time and I'm excited about it. But tonight, we're going to look at a snapshot of David's life and then again next week we will as well. And so David was a man that was, was called a man after God's own heart. We're going to stay in 1 Samuel chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, you can, t you can turn there with me. And follow along. And so we're going to look at, <coughs> we're, sorry, still fighting a cough. And so uh, we're, we're going to look at David's life, and we're going to look at David's life when, when, when God called Samuel to anoint him a, as king. And so here's the interesting thing that's always intrigued me about David's life is David, David was said to be a man after God's own heart. But if you know anything about David's life, he had a lot of faults. He had a lot of imperfection, and, and so, but the reason that Scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart was not because he was perfect, not because he was without sin, but because he, he had a heart for God, that he desired to please God in every area of his life. And so I really believe this should be encouraging to each one of us, that, that you can be a person that would be sad that you're a, a man or a woman uh, after God's own heart, not because you're sinless, not because you've arrived, not because you're perfect, but because you have this heart, you have this desire just to, just to like please God in, in every area of your life. And so we're going to look at this period of David's life when, when, when he was, when, when out, of the, out of the blue, he was anointed a, a, as king. And so this is the first indication in his life that God had a plan for 
his life or God wanting him to do something in his life. And so many of us, we've experienced moments like that where all of a sudden we understood that like God had a plan for our life or, 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 or whatever. And so, so I'm going to give you three things that if you want to be a person that is said to be and, and have a, a heart after God, then there's, there's three things that you have to know. There's three things that you have to understand. And the first one is this, is that God has a plan for your life. That God has a plan for your life. fact is, God has, once you become a believer, once you become a Christian, the Scripture says that you not only get spiritual gifts, you get some gifting, but you also get a call, or you also, God has a purpose for your life. And so the reason that He has gifted you is so that you can serve out your purpose. The fact is, that's what it's said about David. That David, in the book of Acts, it says that David served out his purpose, and then he died. In other words, David was this guy that he lived for God his entire life. He served for God his, his entire life. And so 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, uh, Samuel, God is going to ask Samuel to replace Saul um, with David as king. And so 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, So the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? So all of a sudden, for Samuel, this is like a different assignment. See, Samuel, just a little bit about him, Samuel was not only a, a, a spiritual leader, but Samuel also had a political position. Samuel was also like chief justice. He was chief justice of Israel. And so it, it's a picture to us that God wants to use you in your church and in the community. Fact is, God has a desire, He has a plan for you that He's able to use you in the local body and He's able to use you in, in the community. So Samuel was this guy that was both a spiritual leader, but he's also a, a, a leader in, in the marketplace. And so Samuel understood that God wanted him to live out his faith in all of his settings, whether it was in the business world, whether it was in the marketplace, whether it was in his family, whether it was in his church, whether it was in his, his career, his, 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 his uh, profession. And so I, you know what, I believe that God has, has, has a plan for my life, but, but, but his plan for me is more than just like one hour a weekend. It's more than just, just ministry, that it's every setting that, that he places me in. In other words, that one of, one of his plans for each one of us, or his desires for each one of us, is that wherever we go, that we would, we would live out our faith, that we, we, we would make Christ present, in other words, in those, in those settings. Listen, any religion that, 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 that cannot be lived out at home, at work, in the marketplace, is nothing more than just a meaningless ritual. It's just something that we do on the weekends that never translates to Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or to any other area. And so God wanted uh, Samuel to, to replace Saul. And he said, so how long are you going to grieve over him? In other words, I've already asked you to do this. You, you need to do something. I, I have this plan. You, you need to move. How long are you going to grieve over this? See, this was like a rebuke from, from God to, to Saul. See, for Saul, this was just, or for Samuel, this was very emotional Samuel had invested a lot in Saul. Samuel was the one that anointed Saul to become king. He had ordained Saul. Um, Saul was like this, this people's choice. He, he was popular. He was very impressive. He was, he was good looking. He had charisma. Uh, I mean, I mean if, if he performed probably on American Idol, they'd say something like, you know, you've got the it. You've got like the it factor. When he walked into the room, he changed the, the temperature of the room. Everybody knew that he was in the room. I mean, it was said of Saul that he was like without equal that he was just he was this person with this just intense charisma. But the problem with Saul is this. Saul, Saul wasn't a man after God's own heart. And the problem with Saul is this, is that, that his, 
his charisma, his, his talents, his gifts could take him places where his character could not keep him. And so Saul becomes king. And like this power goes to his, his, his head, and he becomes arrogant, and he becomes like this ruthless ruler. And so, so Samuel, was, Samuel was disappointed. Samuel was disappointed because he invested so much in Saul. And, and so God's telling him, you know what, quit grieving. You, you need to get over it. And so I have this new man, so we'll just continue reading. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, he says, Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send to you Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel says, well, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. So guess what? Samuel was afraid of Saul. He was afraid that, you know what, he would become one of, the, one of the guys that he would hurt. And so he says, and the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice the Lord. And so because of, because of Samuel's position, he was worried that if word got out that, that he was going to Bethlehem, that Saul would get nervous because Saul was like this egomaniac and he would like kill him to maintain his power because Saul already caught wind that there was going to be a new king, that someone's going to replace him. So Samuel was worried that, you know what, if Saul finds out, he's going he's to kill me. And, and to make matters worse, the route that Samuel would have to take would go right through Saul's hometown. Isn't it true sometimes God asks us to do something that are, is uncomfortable? Sometimes he asks us to do something that is unpopular. Sometimes he asks us to do something that, that creates a little bit of stress or drama in our life because we wonder what are the results going to be and what, what's going to happen. And he says, and so the Lord, but the Lord told him, well, here, I'll help you. Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice the Lord. Now listen, God wasn't asking him to lie. God was simply asking him, you know what, just, just be wise. Just be discreet. And so verse 3, we'll move on, and he says, And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. And Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city, so interesting, came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? Isn't under Saul's leadership, the country was in unrest. And whenever a government official showed up, there was fear. I mean, there, people fear, had great fear of government officials. Listen, this, this is, I'm about ready to make a statement. It is, please, this is not a political statement at all. This is just a biblical statement. This is just a biblical uh, value that is in Scripture. When, whenever a country is in, in unrest, they no longer trust the government. They no longer trust the leadership. See, in the Old Testament, you could always tell when a country was like in unrest or a country was divided because they never trusted the leaders. They never trusted the government. The government could never say, hey, I'm here to help you because they didn't believe they were there to help them. They believed they were there to hurt them. So verse 5, and he said, peaceably I, I come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourself and come with me to sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. So consecration just simply involves, you know what it is? It's like unplugging. It, it's, like, it's, like, it's like deep prayer. There, there, there's a way that they did that in the Old Testament of washing of clothes and new clothes and all of those other things. And, and they, the consecration in the Scripture is just preparing to meet God. It's unplugging. Here, here, here's what I'm learning in life. 
almost everything will work again if you just unplug it for a few minutes and turn it back on. I mean, I can now fix my iPhone. And it's just crazy, like, where there's my iPhone, my computer, my, my iPad, and, and you know what I just noticed? I, I forgot to charge my iPad, and so uh, this message is going to go as long as the battery holds out. How's that? And if God mir miraculously touches it, I'll just say, you know what, he just wanted us to go through the night, so we'll just see. So when it dies, it, it's over. And so, <laughs> but... Back to this, but whenever, whenever, whenever my, my iPhone, my iPad, uh, my Mac, when, 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 whenever, it, whenever it has a problem, and like I call the, the tech guys, and usually they abuse me and make fun of me and all that other stuff because they don't like the post-it notes on my iPad or the post-it notes. I'm a post-it note person. I will, and listen, I know there's an app for that. I get it. I understand. But I will never, never, never give up post-it notes. I write sermons with post-it notes. So, so I'll never give up post-it notes. And so they usually make fun of me. But you know what? The first thing they ask me, they says, well, have you turned the phone off? Let it rest it for a few minutes and then turned it back on? I'm like, no. Well, don't call us till you do that. Do that. And if you still have a problem, then guess what? You can, you can like call us. And it's amazing the number of times, you know what, I do that. And it, it just fixes itself. And, and so the tech guys say that sometimes an app or a program gets like locked up and it kind of gums up the works. I don't know what happens. And it, and, it, and it just struggles. We had this happen just recently on our dishwasher. Our, our, our dishwasher, um, all the lights on like the, the instrument panel were like flashing. I've never seen that before. And so they're all flashing. And so, um, so I could no longer wash dishes. And so... Uh, I run my house. <laughs> That'll be the sermon. That, okay, so here's, here's the Father's Day message. I run my house. I run the dishwasher. I run the vacuum cleaner. I run the lawnmower. I run my house. And so, so, all right, so, I, so that's probably the only thing you guys are going to remember. And so, so, so I call the appliance guy, and I said, hey, I, I need someone over here to fix this dishwasher. And he's like, well, what's it doing? And I said, well, all the lights on the instrument panel are flashing. Did you turn it off? Turn it back on? I'm like, are you serious? He goes, yeah. He says, with these new dishwashers, something happens with the brain. I don't know what it is, but, but you know, we love these people because they're just great repair people. He says, I don't want to have to show up and charge you for turning your power on and off. He said, so do that. And if it still is a problem, then call me. I'm like, I can fix almost anything now. <laughs> and so here's what I'm learning. Almost everything will work again if you just unplug it for a few minutes. And can I tell you what? That's true in the spiritual life as well. The problem with a lot of us, we don't unplug. The problem with a lot of us, we never unplug from social media and electronic devices and all of these other things. And, and we never unplug and just pull away and hear from God. See, this is what consecration is. This is all it is. It's to where you just pull away and you just hear from God. And so there's a, there's a lot of people, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that are stuck in their spiritual life and they're stuck in their life and they're wondering what to do or how to handle this situation or how to deal with this. And they're moving so fast, they've never come to the place just to unplug. And it's hard, right? I mean, I don't understand it. There, listen, I'm, I'm telling you, I've been life journaling and ended up on Twitter and I don't even know how it happened. 
You ever done that? Am I the only one? You end up on Facebook or you end up at Walmart. And I said, I was just praying and now I'm at Walmart. What happened? It's hard, right? Because we, we got demands and we got pressures and we have all those other things. Listen, I'm telling you, we have to learn as a generation. And it so concerns me about the generation coming up because they're having a harder and harder time, more difficult time, just simply unplugging. Never forget years back and computers and social media and stuff wasn't near where it is today. And we took our kids to, to like up to the mountains with like no service and no TV. I thought they were going to die. <laughs> but you know what? After a couple of days, they, they said, this is fun. It's not near as stressful. See, Samuel knew that he was going to anoint somebody. He didn't know who. He knew it was Jesse's house. He knew he was going to anoint someone. He knew he was about ready to do something God asked him to do. And you know, the first thing he did, he unplugged. He consecrated himself. He, he got prepared. He, he heard from God before he heard from anybody else. Verse 6, when they came to Elab, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now, Elab is the oldest of Jesse's kids. So they're in the house, and all of a sudden, Elab comes in, and he would be like the logical cho choice. If, if you study the Old Testament, you know the Old Testament, then generally the king was like the oldest and, 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 and strong gifting and, and all of those other things. And so, so all of a sudden he's looking at his kid and he's like the oldest one and he's tall and he's handsome and he has charisma and he's impressive like Saul. And all of a sudden he thinks, you know, this is the guy also... Elab's name means my father is God. I mean, how, how, how could you miss that one? I mean, he's like, he's like this is the guy. And so Samuel was a, was a good guy. And Samuel was a spiritual person. But he's, he's like many of us, right? That we have, we have an at a tendency to evaluate people off of externals. In other words, Samuel, you know anything about Samuel? Samuel was easily swayed. By someone with charisma, someone that was talented, someone that, that had all the giftings. And so many times, we're, man, we're, we're impressed by the externals. We're impressed by the, by the package. And therefore, sometimes we're deceived by what we see. The Scripture says that God looks at the heart, but the Scripture is honest and says, but you know what we look at? We look at, we look at the external. And if you never unplug, you never come to that place to where you can look below the surface and see if this is individual is kind of like a Saul in your life, that you know what? Their talent and their gifting is going to take them places where their character cannot keep them. Telling you. I tell this all the time to, to young couples, and please do not misunderstand me. When they start talking about marriage and, and you know, they're so in love, they're not, they're not, like, not going to listen to anyone and... I still try to tell them. But you know what? In marriage, the most important thing is not love. And I'm not saying love isn't important. It's commitment. It's endurance. It's perseverance. It's character. It's living out your faith in all of those areas. See, by human nature, we judge by externals and externals. And so you'll hear people say, you know what? What, 
Well, charisma matters more than, 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 than character, and appearance is more important than, than integrity. And, and so they make choices along those lines. So verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on his height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees, not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks, looks on the heart. And listen, as we grow more like God, our lives our external appearance should matter less and less. It's our character and our integrity and our call. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could see like God sees? And we could see beneath the surface. And so that's why it's so, it's so important. It is so important for us to unplug and look at Scripture and allow Scripture to speak into our life. Verse 8, then Jesse called Anadab uh, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. So now they're going through all the kids. Then Jesse made Shemaiah a pass by and said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. And Jesse presented seven of his sons before Samuel, but they weren't the ones. But God told him that the new king was in Jesse's household. And God's choice was David, and God would, 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 would lead David into a life of, of politics and a life of, of ministry. See, David understood that, that his faith was more, more, more than just a worship service, that he, he lived his faith out in every area of his life. But see, Jesse, Jesse didn't even think of David, and we'll look at that in a second. But the, the message to us is this, is that your, your occupation, your career, your profession, whether you work in the home, outside of the home, it matters to God. And that's an important part of your life. And it's through, it's through our, our lives that we, we serve people and we meet the needs of people and we minister to people. And, and God's called us into a lot of different areas. The second thing is this. If you want to be a person with a, with a heart for God, the second thing is this, is you must participate in his plan. In other words, you not only know his plan and know God has a plan for you, but you and I have to come to the place where we say, you know, we're going to participate in his plan. See, David, David was just out tending sheep. I mean, he, he, did, not, he did not expect it. It, it. it was a day like any other day. And God's assignment, listen, God's assignment for you can come when you least expect it. And, and I remember when I, when I first met Karen, my wife, and and I, I saw her for the, for the first time in, in, in church. And, and I, I can remember like it was yesterday. I can tell you where she was. I can tell you exactly how her hair was, what she was wearing. I mean, it was like, for me, it was like, it's like time stood still. And so, so I went over and I introduced herself, myself to her. And then things worked out. And I got to take her to dinner uh, that night. And, and um, you know, and, and I was just going to church. And I had no clue that I was going to meet my wife that day. And, and she didn't know. By saying yes to me, one day she'd be a pastor's wife. I mean, sometimes God's plan for you can come when you least expect it. And when God called me into ministry, I'm telling you, I, every stage, I, it came when, when I least expected it. When God called me out of, out of uh, engineering profession and into ministry, and then when God called us to Pueblo, then, then when God called us to Pueblo and start a church, then when God called me to be the senior pastor here, then God called me to, in our church to, to buy this facility, then when, when it, it came when we least expected it. 
You know, when, when, when God gave us the land that, that we purchased, it, again, it came when we least expected it. And, and right now, we're like, we're like a year and a half into a giving campaign, and the giving campaign is like going wonderful. And so we have, we have met, uh, we've, we've done some of the initial stages of the drawings. We, we've met with a, with a lender, and so the lender has asked for some information like a business plan and projections, and so our elders are looking at that and developing that. And so that's, that's, our, that's our next thing to, to give to them. And so we're on this path of just following God and trusting God. And so this is, why it's, this is why it's so important that you and I walk with God. This is why it's so important that you unplug with God but so that you don't miss what God has for you. And Samuel was going to anoint David the youngest and you never anoint the youngest. You always anoint the, the oldest. And David was like the least expected one. His dad didn't even call him in from the field. His dad didn't even see him as a choice. Listen, can I, can I just tell you this? Just in God's economy, you do not have to be in the right place at the right time. When God's in it, it'll happen. You don't have to work your way. You don't have to manipulate your way. You don't have to control your way. Tell you when God's in it, you don't have to be at the right place at the right time. Verse 11, he said, Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? I mean, in other words, even, even his father was surprised. Jesse didn't even bother to invite his youngest son into the room. And, and uh, who knows why? And can I just tell you just real quickly? Even if people around you don't believe in you, God does. It's so important what Pastor Trey said earlier, that our identity is not found in our gifts and our ability. Our identity is found in God. It's huge. Even if, listen, I'm telling you, even if, if, you're, even if people do not believe in you, God does. God sees beyond age, he sees beyond occupation, he sees beyond education, he sees beyond appearance. Samuel may have remembered that he was a young boy like David when God called him, and so was continue reading verse 11, and he said, there remains the youngest, but behold, he, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, and for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. And now he was ruddy and, and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. I mean, think about it. Here is David, a young teenager out in the field with sheep. And someone says, David, your dad wants to see you. God's call on your life can come when you least expect it. And it can change everything in your life. The last thing is this. If you want to be a person after God's heart is God uses ordinary people. Aren't you glad? Many times, God doesn't use the most talented and the most gifted. God uses people that have a heart for him. Because you don't, you don't read some great glowing report about David just that he had red hair and he was handsome. 
fact is, when you read the scriptures, you realize that Saul was much more impressive than David. His oldest brother was much more oppressive than David. Verse 13, Then Samuel took the horn of, of, of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. And from that day forward, and Samuel rose up to meet to Ramah. Everybody in the room knew what was happening. I, I often wonder what, what his brothers thought. I wonder if they think, is this a joke? The scripture says that, and from that day, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. David, David was so humble, he, he didn't become king immediately. If you know the story, you know it was about 20 years later. David, after he was anointed, he was so humble, went right back into the field and started tending sheep. He, he waited. He wasn't arrogant to where he marched into Saul's office and says, I've been anointed king, now like move over, the job is mine. He went back and he started tending sheep. And In other words, even being anointed and know one day he'd be the king, here's the crazy thing about David, it did not change him. He would sit out there and tend sheep, which was not a glamorous position at all, for like 20 years. A lot of times what I've learned in ministry, what I've learned in life, there's a call, there's a decision to participate in God's will, and then there's a delay. There's a waiting. David had this. He, would, he, would, he needed to go through some maturing. He had to go through some hurt and some pain, and he had to go through a pruning or stripping the way of some things. And and he had to learn some things in his life. And, and here, here's what I'm learning. In seasons of pruning and difficulty in life, or when there seems to be a delay in life, you have to remember God's promises and what he's called you to do. That God's hand is still on, on you. This, this, this was Samuel. This is why Scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord was on him from that day forward. And sometimes God works slowly in, 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 in our time, in our, uh, in, in, in our plans. But, but sometimes there's a waiting that has to happen to mature us and to develop us. But he's promised to be faithful over time. Verse 19 it says, And, and therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send to me David your son who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine, a young goat, and sent them by David, his son, to, to Saul. And so David was, David was humble, believable. He was authentic. Verse 20, and, and, but, he was, but he was still ordinary. 1 Corinthians chapter, 12, verse 20, or chapter 1, verse 26 says this, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. I don't know where you are with him, and I don't know where God is going to send you this next week, but I know this God has a plan for your life. And God desires for us to live our Christianity, our spiritual life out in the church and in the community. And all we have to do is just to be obedient 
to him. 